Keith Prather is Managing Director of Armada Corporate Intelligence. During his 18 years as Armada's primary strategist, he's worked with Fortune 500 corporations on everything from economic analysis and business intelligence to competitive and counterintelligence, strategic uh, planning and M&A strategies. He, he actively spends much of his time on industry assessments across manufacturing, agriculture, transportation, retail, U.S. defense, and others. Keith is the chief editor of the Black Owl Report, an executive intelligence brief. He is also a keynote speaker for industry associations covering topics ranging from economic trends to marketing, strategic planning, and executive motivation. Um, Keith, uh, welcome to the program. Uh, welcome to the Traffic Club of Chicago's uh, uh, intelligence report. Um, with your uh, investment uh, in us, we will get a wonderful understanding of what we can think about, look at, plan for in 2021. So maybe that's the place to kick it off is uh, looking at what are the two or maybe three scenarios for an economic recovery in 2021. You'll note, I only want a recovery. Right, great. Denny, great to see you, by the way. And uh, fantastic. Love being here with you and uh, with the Traffic Club of Chicago. And um, so let me talk just a little bit about the three scenarios that are at least laid out for us for now. And the most likely scenario is that what we're going through right now is a bit of a, a sluggishness at the hands of you know, the election always historically causes a, a, a bit of a, a slowdown in economic activity. Um, but we also then have the pandemic on top of that. We've got trade issues. Uh, we've got this thing called Brexit overseas. There's a lot of factors that are kind of creating a little bit of sluggishness. Um, but what we should see is that the U.S. economy will recover and will be back at 2019 levels of output by about the third quarter of next year. Now, there is an upside forecast, okay? And the upside forecast would suggest that we would hit 2019 levels of output by as early as April, as long as a couple things happen. That is that we do, you know, get our way through the pandemic a little bit better than what we're seeing right now, right? So we've got to improve on that. Um, that there is limited availability of a vaccine that is working and that we start to see pockets of the economy open up because people can get to a vaccine, that we see some form of stimulus coming up Congress that also helps boost a lot of businesses that are struggling right now. Um, and generally that sentiment wise, we all feel pretty confident about the future. Um, and so if we think about that, that's a dramatic difference in those two forecasts. One saying, you know, we're gonna hit nearly $20 trillion worth of output by April. And the other saying, yeah, we're really not gonna see that until almost 2022. Um, and then the third forecast is a, is a downside forecast that suggests something kind of like a double dip, but that double dip is, is going to be at the hands of no stimulus, really bad pandemic, delays in the vaccine, and other factors that would really kind of push it down. And um, the likelihood of that scenario actually is very low right now. Um, but I would, I would throw one more thing on the, on, the, on the table, and that is that for transportation, we don't necessarily follow like economic GDP at the moment. 
most of the U.S. is driven by the services side of the economy. And what we're seeing in this particular cycle because of the pandemic is that since we can't go to bars and restaurants and go see movies, right, we're, we're buying products, we're buying stuff. And as we buy products, we're seeing, you know, retail sales surge, we're seeing product demand surge, and we're seeing this boom in the transportation sector like we've experienced over the last uh, two quarters at least. Because we're in a derived demand industry, you can't get product from here to there without transportation. Uh, will the appetite or consumption of products, uh, the consumer, uh, the the consumer and uh, corporate buying, um, all of that helps to drive transportation. So your thought is it will continue. Um, do we have a when? You, you talked about third quarter. You talked about April. Is there any kind of a a, a trend line that we can follow? Yeah, what we want to watch is really Q2 and Q3 of 2021. That's when there might be a little bit of an inversion where people decide, hey, I, I've not been to a restaurant for a year and a half, and by golly, I'm going. Um, or I haven't been to a movie, or I haven't been to a sporting event, but they take the disposable income that they have and they shift it from purchasing products to back to experiences. And we think that there's going to be a little bit of a, a, a lag in people's ability or, or desire to get right back to normal. So we don't think that there's like this moment in time where all of a sudden the whole economy suddenly goes back to the way it was pre-pandemic. We, we think that it's probably a, a gradual shift and a gradual change. But but if we were going to circle one timeline on the calendar, one point on the calendar that we want to watch, it's going to be that transition period sometime between Q2 and Q3 of next year when product demand may go down despite economic activity actually accelerating. And again, it's the difference between spending shifting from product consumption like we see today during the pandemic and during lockdowns and shifting to more of a services-based um, experiential kind of you know discretionary spending by consumers so that's the um, service sector spending that you anticipate um, yeah. one of the realities that transportation deals with all the time are driver shortages and they're bad this year um, is this just because of the pandemic or maybe is there something else yeah, that's a great question. And we have got a host of factors right now that are creating uh, the driver shortage. So, you know, number one, during the lockdown in Q1 and Q2 of this last year, a lot of truck driving schools were shut down. And um, once they reopened, they realized that, you know, a lot of time is spent with two people very close to each other going down the highway, making sure that someone knows how to drive a truck. And so even, even when, as they've started to open up, social distancing rules have slowed down the number of people that have actually can get through those schools. So we have fewer entrants into the industry. Um, the other thing is that we have a tremendous number of drivers uh, that watch their 401ks and watch their retirement start to skyrocket over the course of the year, or actually after a little bit of a downturn in the first part of the year, they saw it rebound and they're feeling pretty good about it. We get a little bit of election uncertainty. And all, all of a sudden they're saying, you know, I'm a little nervous about the pandemic. I'm a little nervous about conditions. I'm going to go retire. Now's the time. So we do see an increase in retirements. And we also do see, uh, just like in 
all walks of life. I mean, we do see a percent of the population that truly is afraid of the pandemic. They may have some underlying conditions or they've got other factors. They've got, you know, a loved one at home that, that has some sensitivities. And so uh, they're afraid to get out on the road and to mingle with customers and uh, to be in environments where they could actually, you know, get, get the virus a little more easily than someone else might be able to. And so, so we do see people leaving the industry because of that. Then you throw positive, you know, skyrocketing demand on top of it. And, you know, we look up and we're sitting 60 to 70,000 drivers short, according to the ATA. Um, and that could balloon uh, sometime over the next two to three years to about 150,000. So we think there's a bit of a lag in the industry being able to catch up. And there are other factors too. I, you know, you've got the drug clearinghouse, you've got other factors, obviously, that are also weighing into it. So, uh, yeah, that's a big issue. Um, ATA has been telling us for a long time how many drivers were short. The, the reality is, is that uh, interstate drivers uh, waiting till they're 21, there's a lag. Uh, from the 18, 19 year old that graduates high school, um, he's picking up a hammer instead of a steering wheel uh, in many cases. Uh, um, and I think there's an effort now to try to get 18 year olds behind the wheel so long as they're safe. And uh, that goes back to the driver training and uh, the uh, uh, stringency of the CDL, the ELDs, uh, having them in place, all of that works well to keep the highway safe. Um, over time, it's it's cost us some drivers, we think, uh, as well as has the drug testing. Um, corporate spending, uh, as a general statement, the resumption of corporate spending, uh, how much is on the sidelines today and where do you think it might go and, and could it go quicker if we get out of this COVID thing? Yeah, you know, when we talked about the forecast early on, one of the upside forecasts and the reason why we could see the economy hitting 2019 levels by April is because corporate spending, we believe there's somewhere between two and three trillion dollars sitting on the sidelines right now that are, it's not actively working. It's not aggressively, you know, being spent on machinery and new structures because there's a lot of uncertainty still. We just don't know what kind of impact the pandemic is going to have on, you know, our work lives, how quickly we, we resume some somewhat normal activity. And so uh, that money is sitting, projects are on hold. And as soon as we get a little bit of certainty, as soon as we know what the U.S. Senate looks like, right, um, as soon as they know what the actual composition of the administration and Congress um, and, and what the ongoing, you know, rules of the road, if you will, are going to look like over the next couple of years, then that money will come off the sidelines and start spending. It happens in every election cycle. Um, and depending on what kind of an environment we have coming out of sort of finalization of this election, we're going to know whether that spending releases immediately or whether it gets delayed a bit. And again, that delay typically would, would create this influx of that cash sometime by Q2 and Q3. Executives want to sit and see what kind of new legislation is going to get passed, what kind of executive orders, what happens with taxation. And so, you know, they'll hold up a little bit, but then as soon as they feel like they've got an understanding of what the environment looks like, that money will release. And uh, we'll feel it in transportation. It will, it will lead to, you know, freight on rail, freight on trucks, freight on ships very quickly. One of the things that is going on around the world, of course, uh, are trade deals uh, with or without the United States. Um, the RCEP, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, uh, that doesn't include us, USMCA, uh, Brexit, all of these things are going on. Um, help me to better understand what you think the, the impact of those 
uh, trade deals and maybe more, um, what they look like, how that will impact us, what effect it will have short term and then longer term. Yeah, I wish I could. I wish I could. I think that's one of those things that we're all sitting and wondering what they mean. Um, you know, there were studies conducted over the summer, and we know that about 85% of global supply chain managers and global purchasing managers were being forced to rethink how they source, how they distribute, um, what their global supply chains look like. And part of it's the pandemic, but part of it is a trade environment and a geopolitical situation. Um, these new trade agreements, create all kinds of new opportunities and new challenges at the same time. Um, you know, under RCEP, you know, now if you're a U.S. corporation and you want to do business throughout Asia, you better still have a footprint there. And so if you were thinking about pulling your operations completely out of China, now you're thinking maybe I can't bring them all back to the United States or maybe to Mexico, maybe a USMCA market, but I've got to keep a foothold. I've got to keep a footprint at least in those markets. And so once again, even though we knew it was on the radar, it's changing thinking a bit. Uh, Brexit, to be honest, we still don't know what Brexit looks like. We know that you know countries will have to go out and create these bilateral trade agreements between the UK and themselves, and then uh, you know other European members and themselves. Um, but we're still sorting through all of that, and that's part of what the uncertainty is. And so, sometime early next year, we're going to have a very dynamic trade environment as you know, new movers are taking advantage of new opportunities and they're jumping out there and setting up new distribution systems and, you know, new processes throughout their supply chains. And then others are going to sit back and watch. They're the fast followers and they're going to see what everyone else does and then they're going to jump in. But, you know, 2021 is going to be that transition year where we finally understand again the rules of the road and then we'll start figuring out what our strategies look like. It's uh, very interesting because supply chain managers locally, uh, nationally, internationally, uh, are really kind of all running uh, a slightly different game uh, depending upon the market and, and where they are playing. Um, Keith, you've been very good uh, to be with us on, uh, and we want to have you on a more regular basis. Um, so the invitation is open, if you will, uh, to come back and visit us uh, more regularly. Um, I. I know your number now, so I can dial it up. If that's okay with you, we will uh, we will work to uh, see what we can't do to uh, make sure that we keep our ear to the rail. Um, maybe not too close if we hear a loud noise or see a light. Um, uh, but um, but it's always good to have. <clears throat> excuse me. It's always good to have you. Uh, giving us insight so that we have a better understanding of what the expectations are on us, on the members of the Traffic Club of Chicago, and how it will be impacted uh, regarding our business going forward. Uh, any last thoughts, any uh, recommendations, ideas? Yeah, I, I mean, I, th I think generally the future looks bright, right? And we don't want to be a cheerleader. You and I have talked about this before that you don't want to, we don't want to overset expectations. But at the same time, for the freight environment, conditions look really good over the next year. We've got a lot of uncertainty. There's going to be some milestones we've got to get through. And it's going to require all of us to be a bit flexible. Um, but we can stay abreast of those changes. Um, you know, we can see them coming and we can adjust to them. And I think that 2021 will end up being a very you know, fruitful year for anyone in supply chain management. And um, especially for the you know, traffic club of Chicago, I think things are gonna be very good. And uh, for the members there, I think uh, you know, 2021, they should approach it with some optimism, so. 
Well, thank you very much. You give us real reason to bring added value to our members. And so for that, we're grateful that you would be there and uh, be willing to share with us uh, the values that your organization can bring to our organization. So we give you thanks and uh, we bid you farewell. Uh, have a wonderful holiday season and we'll see you again soon. And likewise, till next time. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Take care.